For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Topic Thunder Podcast. I'm your host today, Dylan, at Thunder Chats. And I am joined by two lovely gentlemen, um, repping the state of Oklahoma, repping our Thunder, and most importantly, in these times, repping the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, first of all, we've got the meme lord. He is returning at Hunter Harjo 7. Hunter, how's it going, man? Oh, it's great to be back. My uh, meme powers are activating once again as the season rolls around, so trying to get into prime form before the season starts there you go man hey you've you've got a lot of material to work with so i'm eager to see what you can bust out yeah. i've already got the uh, incredible dork going on and uh, i can't wait to mess around trey man josh giddy aaron wiggins stuff so we'll see we'll see what happens there we go love to see it and joining us also is his uh, the co-host uh, alongside hunter of the bricktown breakdown uh, the verified writer of Welcome to Loud City, Clemente Almanza. Clemente, how's it going, boss? Uh, it's great, man. I, I'm even better now that you were able to, you know, properly pronounce my name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad I was able to I was able to know that. I'm usually really bad with pronunciations. I'm not as bad as Matt Tierney. Like, he used to call Schroeder Schroeder any chance he can get. But, you know, I, I do what I can. But. Yeah, I, I definitely I appreciate you guys coming on. Excited to have you on here. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you guys are ready, let's, let's start talking shop. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, go ahead. All right, boys. So, uh, you know, whenever we have somebody on, um, we like to do a brief background section just so, you know, the listeners can kind of get an idea of who, we, who it is we're talking to. And, you know, obviously we've had Hunter on before, but um, more so this is kind of, uh, and I'll start with Clemente because we've heard from Hunter before. Um, th- this is kind of more about your podcast. So the breakdown breakdown. So, um, Clemente, we'll start with you <clears throat> just before we get into the podcast, how did you become a Thunder fan? Oh man, honestly, I probably put, you know, all the credit towards my cousin, uh, Jose, child to Jose. He's, he lives down in Houston. So he's like the big Rockets fan, but, uh, he's the one who got me started into sports and the NBA in general. And I think I first started watching around the 2011 season. So like right when the Thunder were peaking, when it came to like, you know, success as they were able to go to the finals this following season. And they had, you know, the big three of Durant, Westbrook and Harden. And, you know, once I started following the Thunder, uh, I just became more knowledgeable about the sport. I became more passionate. And like, you know, over a decade later, this is where I'm at. So honestly, all credit goes to my cousin. <laughs> there you go. Hey, shout out Jose, man. 
Um, so, you know, talk, t- you know, we talked about the fandom, how you kind of joined, you know, the Thunder fandom. <laughs> so how did you link up with the meme Lord to start the Bricktown Breakdown? <laughs> oh, man. Funny story. I, I first met Hunter because I, I needed somebody in my fantasy football league. Yep. And I was thinking, <laughs> like, you know what? This guy seems pretty cool. So I'll DM him. And, you know, and then we just started talking and then we just found out that, you know, we have like a lot in common together. So we just kind of, you know, build a friendship off of that. And that's where we're at right now. But I think the podcast idea, well, first it was me and Tony's idea. And then I hit Hunter up and be like, hey, Hunter, would you be interested in doing this? Mm-hmm. He was like 100% into it. And like, yeah, we've been doing it for like, what, almost a year now, Hunter? Yeah, uh, this is about to be our uh, full first year. I think uh, we first started like November-ish or October-ish. So we're, we're getting towards the anniversary that. Yeah, it's yeah. Really fun. Hey, that's awesome, man. You know, it's uh, <clears throat> it's one thing to start a podcast. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's been a million Thunder podcasts startup. There's a million podcasts just started. But, um, and, you know, to be able to stick with it and, you know, post consistently and to keep that up for a year, like that's that's nothing to sneeze at. So uh, you guys should be proud of what you've done. And, you know, I, I it's, it's an enjoyable show. You know, I really enjoy listening to it and, you know, look forward to seeing it grow, man. And, you know as evidenced by you guys being here, we don't let you, you know, any slow being on the podcast. Like, you know, we we're proud to have you guys on here. So, um, you know, I got to talk about, talk to Clemente a little bit. I'm going to go to Hunter here before we get started. Um, trying to think here. So hmm, Hunter, let me ask you this. What would you say has been the highlight of the Bricktown breakdown in your eyes? Oh man, that's a good question. I mean, you know, just getting to uh, talk more about basketball every week. I mean, uh, I, I love talking on Twitter, but it's a totally different thing to just, you know, just talk with different people about, mm-hmm. you know, Thunder basketball, whether it's like bringing on guests. Oh, br- especially that bringing on guests is great. Uh, we had uh, Antonis from the uh, EuroLeague. Uh, he came over and he talked with us. It was great talking with him. Sean Corpse as well. And uh, even partnering up with the uh, podcast like Ben Kreider from Thunder Sticks. Shout out to Ben Kreider and Thunder Sticks podcast. Definitely listen to him. Great pod. Uh, love talking with him. And uh, also teaming up with OKC UK, who was on uh, last your guys' last pod as well. Mm-hmm. So they're great guys as well. But we're still in a custody battle with, custody battle with them, with J.D. Taylor. So yeah. <laughs> I'm on to you, Brandon Dale and Thomas out there. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Love those guys, though. But yeah, it's just been great getting to talk to them. And uh, also meeting Tony through Clemente as well. He's just he's, he's, a, he's a great guy. I wish he could be here today. But he's on vacation, as Clemente said. So... Why'd you not invite me, Tony? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but now it's been great uh, getting to know Clemente a lot more throughout the years and Tony as well. It's just, it's been awesome. All right. There you go, man. Yeah. Hey, I, I think we'd all love to be on vacation right now. So uh, yeah. shout out Tony <laughs> for, for being where we want to be. But um, all right, guys, you know, that that's the background, you know, that that's the podcast, you know, we've talked to Hunter a few times, so I'm not going to touch too much on, you know, him. Like I wanted to hear more from Clemente. So, Guys, let's get into the nitty gritty. Like this week was a big week in the Thunder fandom. This was, you know, this was the kicking off point. This was media day and training camp. So um, we're going to talk about that in a segment that, you know, you guys all know and love. And it is the single single large large item. item. All right, guys. So single large item, you know the drill. This is our rip off of one big thing. We go for our one big takeaway um, from, you know, an event, a subject, whatever it is. And this week it is training camp and or media day. So um, I ended on Hunter. So I'm going to go back to 
to Clemente. Clemente, what is your single large item um, for the week that was of either media day or training camp? Just something that stood out to you. I think my single large item actually came today, uh, Friday, was the fact that, you know, when Mark Dagnall was asked during the press, it was like, hey, do you have a starting lineup for Monday's first preseason game? What was the rotation going to look like? He basically said that it's going to be fluid and, you know, it's going to be a game by game basis. And I feel like he's probably going to take a similar approach during, you know, the regular season as well, because, you know, he probably he did the same thing last season. I think the Thunder had like 30 different starting lineups in a 72 game season. So, I mean, that's probably the right approach to take if you're a rebuilding team. Right. I mean, when you have so many, you know, young and proven guys, you just want to give them each a chance to prove themselves as to whether or not, you know, they could be legit NBA guys down the road. So. Hopefully, uh, you know, that's the case for the regular season as well as it looks like it's going to be the case for preseason. Yeah, for sure, man. And, you know, that's a it's a stark difference from his predecessor, Billy Donovan, who, you know, his starting he would keep his starting lineup, you know, all year, like to a fault. Um, you know, of course, there's injuries, but even, you know, not even a starting lineup, just his rotation. If there was an injury in the starting lineup, they would put somebody that isn't even in the rotation in the starting lineup just so he doesn't mess up the bench rotation. So. Yeah, it, it is nice to hear that Dagnalt's being a little more fluid, being a little more flexible, um, you know, in this rebuilding stage. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hunter, what is your single large item? I think my single large item's got to be some of the praise coming out for Josh Giddy so far. Uh, we've heard from Dagnalt, and I think we've heard from Lou Dort as well. Dagnalt came out first saying that Josh Giddy's uh, defense looked impressive today or uh, a few days ago, whenever he said it, said the uh, said that. Uh, I mean, many people question if his defense would translate into the NBA and uh, seeing Dagnall sort of praising that uh, outright in training camp. That's a pretty good sign, I think, especially uh, him being uh, 18 years old, like second youngest player in the league behind Primo, I think. So it's definitely a good sign seeing that. And also Lou Dort uh, just saying Giddy uh, finds his teammates very well on the court. Definitely probably one of the main reasons we drafted him as well. He's a great uh, he has great court vision, excellent passer. Uh, I mean, that's what you want to see from a. Yeah, uh, your sixth overall pick. I mean, that's what you drafted him for. Uh, just a six foot nine tall point guard. I mean, he says he's six foot nine, so I'm gonna believe him there. I don't care if he's yeah. six foot eight. Everybody, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's great to hear all the uh, giddy praise so far. Absolutely, we're giddy for the giddy praise, man. Yeah, we're giddy um, for the giddy praise. Well, we, we got to stick with him saying six nine or that he's six foot nine. You know, so yeah, exactly. Just, that, that's just a nice height that you know we can call that. So hey, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. No. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you, man. Like, uh, I think, uh, I think in addition, it was either Muscala or Kenrich that said that in pickup that Giddy's really stood out to them because you know you hear all about you know his size being a big playmaker, but I guess you know hearing it and seeing it in practice is two things differently entirely, and even seeing it in practice and playing with that playmaking ability from such a big guard, you know, is even more different. So. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm really excited to see Josh Giddy, man. Like, uh, you know, we had uh, Bet Online AG is one of our sponsors, and we did Rookie of the Year odds. Like, God, I think it was like right after the draft, and I think Giddy was like number. I think he was number six at the at that time, and I wouldn't be surprised to see his odds go higher, man. Because you know, like like Clemente was talking about, like it's a young team, it's a rebuilding team. It's gonna be a fluid starting lineup. I think Giddy's gonna play a lot. He's going to have the ball in his hand a lot. He did say, I, I believe, um, in talking about Shea, he's definitely going to have to learn how to play off guard uh, or off ball because, you know, Shea is so dominant with the ball in his hands. So, yeah, man, I, I think 
I think Giddy could be a sneaky rookie of the year pick, man. Like it's it's possible. Hey, I have to agree with you 100. I mean, he's got all the tools for it. He's just got to translate into onto the NBA. I mean, with a faster pace than they have in the NBA, I think uh, can't remember exactly who talked about that. Uh, we were talking about that in our last podcast. I was talking with Clinte about that. Uh, this faster pace and seeing if. Uh, Giddy can translate into that, and he'll have a lot more spacing in the NBA than he would in the NBA, NLB, NBL. I can't talk today. Sorry. But, yeah, I mean, it's just going to be great to see him out there, see what he can do. Absolutely, man. And, hey, don't don't ever feel bad not being able – see, there it is. Don't feel bad about not being able to talk. <laughs> Look, at all tongue-tied on the pod today. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's every time with me. Thomas is like, it's late <laughs> over here. I can't talk. I'm like, I just put my kids to bed, and I can't talk, so I don't want to hear <laughs> But uh, no, my single large item is uh, Roby Island is strong. It, it is it is growing and it is strong, man. Um, you know, the players couldn't say enough about him. I um, mean, the down to dunk interview specifically, I think Shay, um, I think Moose, I think a couple other guys all said that Roby was the one that really stood out to them in the pickup games. And, you know, we saw Roby play last year. You know, his preseason and regular season was night and day. And he is a guy that, you know, despite not being like upper echelon talent, he does possess a lot of skills. He's kind of a jack of all trades, master of none kind of dude. But, you know, he can dribble, he can pass, and he can shoot a little bit. So, you know, he obviously he graduated from Nebraska over the offseason. Um got his degree. He even talked about in interviews how he's going to be able to get a lot more sleep because he won't have to, you know, mess with assignments late at night. So I don't know, man, we, we, we could be seeing a nice little jump from Roby. Um, that, that's kind of what it, what it seems like what the players are saying. Clemente, what you, what you think about all this Roby praise? Oh man. I mean, I think it's pretty surprising. Like you mentioned during, uh, you know, the down and duck episode, uh, when they were asked like, who's, who's been the most impressive player and pickup so far. Uh, and they brought up Isaiah Roby. I think Isaiah Roby is probably somebody that, you know, a lot of people didn't, I guess you could have been sleeping on this off season because they just expect him to like, you know, take a, take a seat back in terms of minutes because of all, all the, uh, you know, first rounders coming in and like their fairs as well. But I mean, yeah, it's, we'll just have to see. I mean, I would honestly prefer starting Roby ahead of somebody like, you know, Derek favors who, you know, is who he is. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we know that Clemente just listen to three pods past. He's, <laughs> Shit. all over Derek favors on that one <laughs> nothing personal favors but <laughs> don't get me started hunter don't get me started <laughs> he's gonna ramble all night i think oh it's all good man yeah no I, I i feel the same way honestly like you know going into the off season like even before training camp like i thought that you could just etch Derek favors name in stone as long as he was on this roster opening night he was gonna be the starting center you know just because you know, he's a veteran. He's a guy that, you know, I don't believe, you know, is going to be in the plans for the season. So I think that we're going to try to flip him. And in order to do that, we got to showcase him at least a little bit. But I don't know, man, with all this Roby praise and, you know, Dagnold even, you know, saying some Roby praise as well. With all this Roby praise, I wouldn't be surprised if Roby was our starting center. Um, so, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, pace and space. You know, he's the guy that runs the floor. He plays hard. Like I said, he can shoot a little bit. So, you know, if, if in fact, Dave Nolte wants to play Roby at center, I just got to believe he earned it. So, uh, looking forward to seeing it, man. And, you know, we're going to see our first action coming up this next week when preseason begins. Transitioning to our next single large item, and it is 
preseason expectations. So I started with Clemente last time. I'm starting with Hunter here. Hunter, what is your single large item for preseason expectations? Oh, man, I got to say, I wanted to say, you know, I wanted to go on with Giddy still. But, you know, I'll try and mix it up a little bit as I go along. But I want to see a little bit more uh, Trey Mann. You know, we saw him in the summer league. You know, obviously wasn't all that impressive. I mean, it's his first action on the court. I mean, not gonna we're not gonna rag on him too much, but seeing him play some minutes, some a lot more minutes in the preseason games, I think it'll be very important for him. Uh, talked about him in training camp. Uh, Dagnall did uh, saying, you know, he's still got to get used to the pace of the NBA. Uh, looks like he's holding back on his shots a little bit. Even you know, going back to Roby, I think uh, they said that Roby blocked a couple of his shots because you know just a little undecisive so far. But you know, seeing Trey Mann sort of like get more confidence in a shot. I think it's going to be very important. And if we see that early, uh, I think that'll be very, very important to his uh, development going further. So I, re- I really want to see a lot more Trey Man because obviously he's got all the tool sets uh, to become a very good uh, uh, snarp- sharpshooter and he has very great handles on him as well. So like I said, he's got all the tangibles. He just got to put them all together and get more confidence. He needs that Nader confidence. So that's what he needs. So just needs a little bit of that. Any chance we get a chance, chance to drop a Nader reference? We got to hey, do of, it. Of course. Shout out Dooley. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> Trey Mann, absolutely. Like, he had – he showcased a strong bag in the two games that he got to play in Summer League, uh, specifically the second game. I, I even called that the Trey Mann game because Giddy was gone and Mann kind of had the keys. And he got to the rim a lot. You know, he got to his spots and, you know, re- really took solid shots. It, it was It was just not going in. And, you know, going back to something that Dolan's leaned on before, I think it was like the first or second, I think it was the first uh, Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony year. Um, You know, it's just averages are going to work themselves out. Trey Mann is a guy that shot 40% from three at college. He did so off the dribble, spot up, step back, like you name it. Like He was one of the best three-point shooters in college last year. I, I think the shot's going to translate once he gets to the NBA because it wasn't just the fact, and, you know, everybody's like, oh, the NBA line is a little bit farther than college. Yeah, but Trey Mann wasn't, you know, tiptoeing the line when he was shooting in college. Like, this is a guy that has logo range, and he shoots it confidently and, you know, almost cockily. Um, cockily is definitely not a word, but now it is. <laughs> um, so, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing Trey Mann. I think that, you know, like, like you said, he's got a bag on him, and I, something that – I've kind of talked about all offseason. It's just the dichotomy of Trey Mann, Teo Maladone, and Ty Jerome. You know, Trey Mann's just this bucket getter. Teo's this traditional point guard. Ty Jerome's just this guy that can shoot the lights out, you know, kill you in the pick and roll. Like, it's just going to be a lot of fun seeing how that rotation kind of plays out in the bench. So, yeah, absolutely looking forward to that. I I just mixed two words there. You know, weird things happen at Kentucky (laughs) late at night. So, um Clemente, what is your single large item preseason expectation? Man, I'm excited to see like what exactly and who exactly Rick Krejci is. I mean, <laughs> he tore his ACL about a yeah. year ago and he's still 21. So he hasn't played a professional game in like over a year. And preseason, preseason is probably gonna be Krejci's like only real opportunity playing against, you know, other NBA guys because in all likelihood, in all likelihood he'll probably start the season in the G League. And even if he does, you know, uh, end up being on the Thunder bench, you probably won't get a ton of minutes because it'll be buried in the depth chart. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what what exactly Rick Krejci can bring because when he first when he was drafted and uh, when we trade for him, there wasn't like a lot of information out there on him. So I'm just excited to see what he does and who what type of player he is. 
Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, I, I think Vic Crazy, Vic Crazy. I got to get used to saying that. I've been saying <laughs> Vic Kredzky for like the past year and a half. Um, I, I think that's a name that a lot of Thunder fans forget about when they think about you know this young roster. And you know, obviously, he hasn't earned a spot in the rotation or anything like that. But he is a guy that the Thunder, you know, went and got in the draft like early in the second round you know we didn't have that pick they went and acquired that pick because they liked beat crazy uh, it, it feels weird what i'm saying i'm sorry <laughs> but um <laughs> I, I think you know he's he's definitely going to have every opportunity i think he sees a lot of g league this year so like you said it is going to be interesting to see what he does in the preseason against nba guys but you know he is a guy that has a unique skill set he's a big guard type body type kind of like josh giddy as well so yeah, absolutely. Very excited to see that, man. It's also good to see the uh, sleeve tattoo back in Oklahoma City. <laughs> there you go. Got a rocket, man. <laughs> um, so my single large item is uh, I want to see Darius Baisley, see what Darius Baisley has done. You know, he had that rough stint last year um, where he was really just forcing stuff. He was taking too much, too many threes off the dribble. Um, he wasn't getting into lane. He wasn't being aggressive and he really struggled. And then, you know, coming out of all-star break is when he had that injury. And once he was able to come back from that injury, he started playing a lot better. Um, you know, Shea was out already. Dort missed a lot of games at that point. So basically more or less had the keys to the, the offense and he was able to be aggressive and, you know, drive into the lane, get to the rim, almost seemingly at will. And I, I thought that that really unlocked a new part of his game. Now, We've seen the videos of him, him, you know, working out with the clutch guys and something that was constant from, you know, the end of last season is he was being very aggressive and not just getting to the rim. He was exploding to the rim. So I'm hoping to see more of that. Now he was, you know, getting a little fancy with the basketball and, you know, shooting those little step back threes. And if he can make them absolutely like, I'm okay with you taking like one or two of those a game, but like, my main focus for Baisley this year is I just want to see him continue to be aggressive, explode to the rim. And, you know, if you got to open three on the spot up, if Shea or Giddy or somebody creates it for you, absolutely take it. But, like, for the love of God, stop forcing contested pull-up jumpers. <laughs> but yeah. I was going to say, yeah, this is a big year for Baisley. This is basically going to, you know, decide whether or not he's going to be part of the of the funders future because he's contract eligible or he's, he's extension eligible next year. And in all likelihood, the funder probably can have another top pick this year. And that, you know, increased the possibility that the funder drafts somebody who could, you know, cut Baisley's minutes next season. So this is make or break a season for Baisley. Yep. Absolutely, man. It's uh, a, and, and he seems upbeat about it all, you know, in all of his interviews, you know, he's really excited to get back out there. I think that, you know, he knows he missed a lot of time and, you know, he kind of left uh, le- left some good play out on the court, uh, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, I think he's eager to go out there and, you know, kind of show that he belongs on this team. And obviously the Thunder still believe in them. You know, I, I know it's just pictures, but I don't think it's a coincidence that they took the, you know, the trio photo of Shea, Dort, and Baisley. It wasn't Poku, it wasn't Giddy, it wasn't Trey Man, it wasn't Tail, it wasn't anybody else. It was Shea, Dort, and Baisley. So I still believe right now they think that those are the, you know, surest prospects that we have. You know, obviously Giddy and Poku have a higher season or ce- ceiling than Baisley at this point. 
But I, I think those are the guys that, you know, they kind of consider their young core. And then the other guys are just projects that we're trying to build up to be that young core. So, yeah, excited to see what goes on with Basil, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, preseason starting next week. And, you know, it's been a long road, longer for Thunder fans than most other NBA teams because we didn't have the pleasure of being in the playoffs. But and also, we, you know, we had the lottery and we had the draft, which both of those added seemingly months to the offseason. Um, but, hey, it, it, it's all come to an end. Um, we get to see our guys play basketball, and I'm, I'm very excited. Um, guys, you got anything else to add to preseason expectations before we jump into the next topic? No, I think that's it. Just to, like you said, I'm excited for the preseason. going to be ready to go to the BOK. Yes, sir, man. All right. This is more of a, I was going to say, I think it's more of a regular season expectation to preseason, but I'm mm-hmm. just excited to see how Giddy and Shea fit together. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys this. So, you know, there's, there's obviously a debate anytime that somebody puts a top 10 point guard, top 10 shooting guard list on Twitter. Um, I, I'm of the mindset that I think Shea is the point guard of the future at this point in time with the roster that's built around him. You know, everybody, you know, coming into the draft, Giddy was considered a point guard. But I think my personal opinion is I think that Giddy is going to transition into more of a wing creator. And, you know, like like I said earlier, like Shea's going to continue to dominate the ball from the point guard position. But, you know, obviously I don't know everything. So I, I want to hear what you guys think. And uh, Clemente, you kind of touched on it first. So go ahead. What, what What's your thoughts there? Uh, I mean, it's kind of funny because, I mean, according to, like, basketball reference, SGA has been playing shooting guard for, like, over half his career up yeah. to this point. But, like, at the same time, you got to consider the fact that his first season, he didn't, you know, you know he wasn't, like, the uh, lead playmaker. And then his first season with the Clippers. And then his first season in the OKC, Chris Paul was there. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't really had the chance to, like, you know, be number one until last season. And, like, his season was cut short because of because uh, of his injury. Yep. But yeah, I think SGA's ultimate position is probably point guard, like you said. And Giddy, honestly, I think Giddy's probably gonna be one of those hybrids, twos and threes, a complete either position, depending on how you know the, how the rest of the roster is constructed. Yep, for sure. Hunter, what you thinking, man? I mean, yeah, I mean, like you guys are saying, uh SGA's primary position is gonna be point guard from here on out. He's a dominant ball handler. I definitely think I'm agreeing with Clementa here. I mean, he's definitely gonna be a hybrid, I think. I mean, he's gonna be uh, he's going to have, like, you know, a high IQ, definitely. He's going to be passing. He's going to have excellent passer, but I think they're going to have to work on his uh, shot as well if he <clears> wants to get in that short uh, that uh, position, I think, especially moving forward. Uh, we see, you know, Ben Simmons, for example, uh, got him in as a point guard, but, you know, he's more of a defensive-oriented player and a very, you know, high IQ passer as well. But uh, I think one of the key knocks on him, of course, in the playoffs was not being able to shoot lights out or to shoot at all, basically. So it's go- it's very integral that we got josh giddy at this point in time very young uh thunder can mold him to whatever he wants to be basically uh to what his limits are at least so i mean uh i mean i think even sam vicini said in one of those uh, draft day articles that he has the most savable jumper of anybody and uh, i i I think there's some truth to that as well i mean who's it who the doubt to sam vicini as well i mean he's a brilliant mind so Mm -hmm. i definitely think that uh i mean if you save that jumper and you know build him up get a little bit stronger which he obviously will i mean i definitely i have some hope in him becoming more of that hybrid type player that clemente's talking about but yeah we will more likely see sga be that more dominant point guard going forward for oklahoma city that's going to be his role from now on so yeah Thank you, man. I'm very excited to see it. Um, transitioning for that, we're going to talk about another dominant 
point guard that used to play for the Thunder. As we get into our next segment, our reoccurring segment, this is part four of the this or that. What if? The choice is yours. You can get with this or you can get with that. You can get with this or you can get with that. Time. Space. Reality. It's more than a linear path. It's a prism of endless possibility. Where a single choice can branch out into infinite realities. Creating alternate worlds from the ones you know. I am the Watcher. Guide through these vast new realities. Follow me and ponder the question What if? All right, guys. So, this or that, what if? Um, so, we started this off basically like, you know, this was like early in the Thunder Days on our first couple, and it was which one gives us the most rings? Now that we're closer to the present, uh, you don't have as much opportunity for more rings. Um, so <clears throat> today's question, since it's affecting the same team, is going to be which one gives you the higher ceiling? And, you know, we're going to kind of talk this out. So first of all, what if Carmelo Anthony from jump agreed to come off the bench like he did again, or with Portland and like he's seemingly doing with Los Angeles? Or what if Andre Robertson never played the fourth quarter of that daggone Detroit Pistons oh. game? <laughs> Man, you're bringing back heartfelt memories here. Man. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it, it's tough conversations, but you know, it it generates fun discussion. So, um, like I said, this is uh, this is going to be based on you know which team ends up at the higher ceiling. So, kind of break it down. Carmelo Anthony, if he agrees to come off the bench, you know, obviously beginning of the season, um, you know, we traded for Paul George. Everybody's super excited. We signed Patrick Patterson, biggest free agent signing uh, of, you know, our franchise's history. We bring in Raymond Felton. Um, you know, we're all excited. Patterson's going to play the four. I, I remember the billboards, the 0, 2, 21, 13, 54, 12 billboards that were up around town, you know, talking about the starting lineup. And, uh, you know, then we traded for Carmelo Anthony. We traded in a scanner and Dermott and I think another first-round pick uh, for Carmelo Anthony. And, you know, then all that was wiped away. So, and then, you know, they asked him at media day if, you know, he was willing to come off the bench, if, you know, they had talked about coming off the bench. And he gave the legendary, who, me? <laughs> who, me? Still one hey, of my P. favorite memes. Hey, P, they told me I got to come off the bench. <laughs> absolutely just iconic moment in thunder lore but so you know that that's how it all transpired carmel was never going to come off the bench he never did come off the bench until very late in the playoff series against the utah jazz in which the thunder ultimately lost so if the carmelo agreed to come off the bench you know coming into the season um patterson was slated to start so i think patterson starts the year at that powerful position but 
the guy that ultimately took that powerful position after Carmelo was gone, uh, the guy that was getting the run when Carmelo was out in the Jazz series. You have a young Jamie Grant there who developed into a pretty nice player, a borderline all-star now out of the Detroit Pistons. So uh, let's start with Hunter here. Hunter, um, what's your thoughts here on this team? Uh, what do you think the ceiling is for if Melo agreed to come off the bench? What do you think the the power forward rotation, uh, Jamie Grant's development, you know, stuff like that, you know, any, any th- direction you want to go in, uh, what do you think about that one for the what-if scenario? Oh, man, you know, like you're talking about Patrick Patterson. He was at the time the biggest free agent signing. I mean, you can still argue that at the time he was the biggest free agent signing we ever had. So yeah. I had high hopes for him, so much high hopes. And uh, obviously that went in flames. So here we are now. Oh, I mean, season prior, I mean, he still – I don't think he was playing fantastic at all either. He was still – he was on the downward spiral to where he is now. So, I mean, I definitely think uh, throwing Jeremy Grant out there and uh, sort of like throwing him in the flames basically and start his development early. I think that would have, uh, that definitely probably been a better choice potentially in the regular season. But once we got towards the playoffs, I mean, Patrick Patterson was known for being like huge in the playoffs for Toronto. So, I mean, I mean, throwing him out there during that playoff series, maybe it would have been a different, different outcome. I mean, at a, oh, it's just hard to think. Cause I know definitely Carmelo coming off the bench, that probably would have been the better choice for Oklahoma city overall. I mean, we all mm-hmm. saw that, that comeback whenever uh, Mello was on the sidelines, Jeremy Grant was in, he was begging for the coaching staff to bring him back in, but they were like, Oh, we're already, we're already hot right now. I mean, we don't want to put the wet blanket over it. So, I mean, we're, we're just going <laughs> to exactly. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, definitely sitting down Carmelo Anthony was the right choice. I mean, it probably would have been the right choice going midway through the season. You, I mean, midway through the season, you could definitely see that there was sort of a downward trend. We were, this team had such high hopes. I, I mean, whenever we first traded for Carmelo Anthony, uh, he's one of my favorite players of all time. I was so excited to see him come here. I was jumping up and down. I, I mean, go from Paul George to Carmelo Anthony. I mean, pinch me, I'm dreaming. But then, mm-hmm. obviously, Carmelo had a whole, whole lot more minutes, a whole lot more time to just cook with uh, New York because they were a, a dumpster fire like they usually are. I mean, downward. I mean, it's an upward trend for them now. But, you know, I mean, yeah. it's just a completely different situation where he's on a contending team, but he's just aging and he's not the player he used to be and his style just didn't fit necessarily being that iso type player uh with uh pg and russ who were you know i mean obviously they were ball dominant as well so it didn't really help to have like an aging ball dominant player from nba's past there as well so definitely him being that score off the bench would have been the better idea and i think starting jeremy grant and just a baptism by fire sort of uh and just he had a way higher ceiling way higher ceiling than patrick patterson obviously so i definitely think just starting out with jeremy grant to go with that probably would have been a better idea all right absolutely fair points man um clemente going to you man you know going into the playoffs <clears throat> let's say for the sake of argument we finish with the same record finish with the same seed and we still face up against the utah jazz in the first round of the playoffs um what does having carmelo off the bench and Jeremy Grant in that starting lineup, uh, how do you think that changes the series? Mind you, Dre is still hurt in this scenario, so be that as it may. Man, I think it would have given OKC a better chance, obviously, to win the series because you could just tell Melo was just, you know, being picked on by the Jazz the entire game, the entire series in pick and rolls because Melo had cement feet at this point on defense. Yeah. So, and Jeremy Grant, you know, in the limited minutes he was given in that series, you could tell he was a better uh, he was a better matchup against the Jazz. So I think it would have, you know, still helped 
uh, it would have increased the chances of them winning the series. But I don't know. I still think, man, it might suck to say, but I still think Utah probably wins just because, you know, Paul George and Carmelo were just so inefficient. And, like, mm-hmm. when two of your top three scorers are supposedly – or you're, they're supposed to be your top three scorers are, like, as inefficient and struggling that much, you can't really – it's just not much you can really overcome. Not only that, but, like, if I remember, if I remember correctly, I remember also Russell Westbrook having a hard time uh, finishing around the rim around Gobert in that series. Uh, you guys can correct me if I'm, wrong, if I'm wrong on that. But the Thunder that year, they were like top heavy. Like if one of their five starters went down, then things were going to go bad. I mean, we saw that once Roberson went down. I mean, it, it got so bad to where the point where the entire fan base held their breath when Corey Brewer had to leave the last oh, game. <laughs> man, you're bringing back some memories there, Clemente. <laughs> And like no, no disrespect to Corey Brewer, he was great. Like for a guy who was basically literally picked off right the street, and you know was given starter minutes, he did as good of a job as you can hope for. But like you know, when you, the playoff hopes and like the optimism of a fan base is depending on Corey Brewer's health, like that just goes to show you, like man, when you're you're, you're basically only five deep, and like that's just not a success. Yep, that's all fair, man. So. Um... <laughs> All right, so Clemente says that we still don't win the series, so let's go to Hunter here. Hunter, Carmelo comes off the bench. Do you think we win the series? If we win the series, you think we, you know, how far do you think we go? What what do you think the ceiling is for this team with Carmelo coming off the bench? Well, I mean, obviously that year, Donovan Mitchell, I mean, that was his coming out party. I mean, he was insane. And uh, Rudy Gobert, obviously, is Rudy Gobert. He was having mm-hmm. making it a, a hell for OKC. Jeremy Grant, I think it gives him some life, thinks it makes it more competitive, uh, 100%. And I think having a mellow out there with some bench depth in a way just helps like revitalize that second. I mean, the second team was just not good at all. I mean, like no respect. I mean, no disrespect to any of them. I mean, I love Raymond Felton. He is my <laughs> my idol out there. My God. But yeah, at the end, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just I don't know if they could hang necessarily. Utah was deep. They were deep compared yep. to Oklahoma City especially. So, I mean, it's just hard to see us. And with them having uh, – I think they had home court advantage too. So, mm-hmm. or, no, or did we have home court? I can't really remember that well. But, um, I mean, regardless, we we could not win in Utah basically. It was – I definitely don't think we would have won. I think we would have made it a little bit more competitive. Uh, but if we did win, we weren't getting past the second round at all, I don't think. All right. That is fair. Well, kind of moving into the next scenario, you know, we'll get to the playoffs in a second. So this is the one where Dre never gets hurt. He never plays in the fourth quarter of the Detroit Pistons blowout. Um, you know, I mean, it, it kind of speaks for itself. Like Clemente um, kind of talk about the importance of Andre Robertson in that season specifically. I got a stat for y'all. So <laughs> oh, <man. in> term- <laughs> look at that prepared in terms of like this specific season, in terms of like five men lineups, you know, the Westbrook, Roberson, George, Melo, Adams lineup, you know, your healthy starting five. They were second in the entire NBA among starting lineups with at least 500 minutes played together and that rating at 14.6. So, I mean, I'm not trying to rub any salt in the wound <laughs> yeah. among fans, but like, man, when this, I mean, you could tell they struggle at the beginning adjusting to each other because you could tell, you know, among Russ, George, and Anthony that they didn't want to step on each other's feet. But, like, I think the turning point was around December, January, and that's when they started to get things rolling. And, like, you could just tell, like, our, things are finally clicking. The team is, you know, 
playing up to the standards a lot of the fans thought they would when they first got Melo and Paul George. And it, it was it, it was reaching its peak, man. So <laughs> I think I think, man, I think if they would have had Roberson healthy with this lineup, I think they probably would have at, at their minimum made the second round. All right, that is fair. Hunter, what is uh what what's your thoughts on Andre not being hurt in this series? Um, you know, how, how's everything shake out for you? Yeah. Not the series, the season, sorry. All I know is I'd be a happier person today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, hey, uh, he was very, very integral. I mean, I think even when we had Roberson, I mean, before his injury, we were on a, a roll at that point. Mm-hmm. The, the, the stone was rolling down the hill at that point. I was really optimistic at that point. I think we would have rose through the standings and had a, probably an easier matchup at that point uh, going into the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, he was just – I mean, he did he make the all-defensive team that year? Or was it the year prior? I can't really remember exactly. But uh, it was offensive – all NBA defense third team, I think. I'm not entirely sure, but I mean, he was just tremendous that year. Uh, one of the best defenders that we've had. And to have him, especially if we went up against Utah as well, having that one guy mm-hmm. to lock up Donovan Mitchell, like I said, I mean, during that series, Donovan was going crazy. To have a lockdown defender like uh, Andre Oberson on the team, it's integral to have at that point. I mean, to have him alongside there's uh, holding Donovan Mitchell at bay so that you can have, you know, uh, Russ and PG back over there, help trying to cook a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, make more you know offensive noise on that side so they have more of a chance that would have been very very important i think so i mean yeah i mean i definitely think our ceiling was way higher i definitely think we get out of the first round for that all right yeah um you know talking about the role that we was going on um you know prior to dre's injury <clears throat> um including that detroit win we had just won seven straight games uh yeah seven straight games five of which when uh roberson was playing uh, we have margin of victories of 24, 24, 1, 9, and 13 against the Pistons there. So, yeah, we was definitely, you know, starting to find our vibe, starting to find, um, you know, how the team meshed, you know, the best together. Um, Dre and Paul George on the same team, like at the height of their powers, was just unfair defensively. Man. And that was really like – you know, fans kind of started turning on Steven Adams uh, later into his career at OKC because of him not, quote-unquote, being in the right place defensively. But <clears throat> when he had Dre and Paul George out there and Russ, you know, wreaking havoc in the passing lanes, like that was when Steven Adams was at the height of his power as, like, you know, one of the best defensive defensive centers in the NBA. So our defense was just insane. I think uh, Hardwood Proxism, um, Matt Moore, HP Basketball, he actually referred to us as the havoc generator just because of all the deflections and steals that we caused with, you know, Dre, Paul George, obviously at the point of attack, and then Russell Westbrook just, you know, wreaking havoc all over the place, you know, no pun, no pun intended there, havoc generator wreaking havoc. So, um, and yeah, and then talking about in the playoffs, you know, like you said, you know, having Dre out there to guard Donovan Mitchell after Donovan Mitchell was having this come in, coming out party, you know, just putting up 30 points games like it's nothing as a rookie um I, I think it's pivotal i think um even after i don't remember if it was after the season or the season after i'm not exactly sure when it was but they asked dre you know what it was like to for him to watch donovan mitchell cook and he's like you know i hated it like i knew that that was the guy that i would be guarding that was the guy that i would be tasked with you know checking and you know i you know my defense could have changed the game at that point like it could have changed the series and I 100% believe that. And not only that, if you have Andre Robertson checking Donovan Mitchell, you know, A, 
he's probably not going off like he did. Um, but B, you don't have Paul George guarding John, Donovan Mitchell. You have Paul George expending his energy more, you know, in the passing lanes like we talked about, offensively, um, like we really needed him to. And maybe his confidence isn't as shaken because this rookie's just, you know, cooking him in the first round in his first ever playoff series. I think a lot of what happened to Paul George in that playoff series was between the ears. Donovan Mitchell was eating his lunch, and you know, anywhere that you watched, you know sports coverage was talking about it and i think that really affected his performance so <clears throat> i think it's like it's like a three four fold process if dre is in that playoff series like you know <clears throat> oh what was it uh we played the cleveland cavaliers um i think it was before they did the whole like five trades at the trade deadline but we beat them by like something like 30 points like Russell Westbrook had like 30-something points. Paul George had something like 30-something points. Steven Adams, I think, had 20 points and 10 rebounds. Carmelo had 20 points. Dre was wreaking havoc. Like, that was the peak of our powers. Like, that was the that was the epitome of what that team was going to be. I think Ray Felton played great off the bench. You know, our guys were all playing good off the bench. Like, that, that was what the team could be. And I think that version of that team – there wasn't a lot of people that could be that. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, we could have, you know, swept the Warriors, but do, do you like Russell Westbrook against Kevin Durant in the playoffs? You know, I, I think that he's going to take it to another level there. Um, I, I think that, you know, that's, that's a series that we could push to seven in my head. So I, I'm going to stop talking because I've been Raymond a lot. Uh, let's go back to Clemente. So Clemente, you know, this is ultimately about the ceiling. Um, what do you think the ceiling is of this team if Andre Robertson isn't hurt and you know he's on this team throughout the playoffs? And probably what the ceiling with most fun fans had was probably, you know, Western Conference Finals. Um, I agree with you that it would have given Warriors some trouble, but like man, the 27 or 2018 Warriors, man, at the end of the day, only lose like a handful of games during their playoff run, from what I remember correctly. That was like the first year of Durant, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. So but like man, like I don't know, I just I just have a hard time picturing, you know, OKC, you know, actually beating the Warriors, those Warriors four out of seven times. But like they probably could have pushed a series to six games. But like mm-hmm. that's probably the best case scenario. But like I just want to praise Robertson a little bit more because I remember, you know, there's like some national media even, you know, claiming that Robertson should, you know, be a defensive player of the year candidate or like the favorite. And for someone like him whose offense is as bad as his defense is good. Yeah. that's that's impressive because you just go down the list of like defensive player to your winners they're all like no, notable guys with like big names attached to them like Gobert, Giannis, Draymond, Kawhi they all have like all-star uh names attached to them and Robertson Robertson is one of those guys that like you know people from Oklahoma know or like you know smart NBA uh analysts know so it it just goes to show you just how how good of a season Robertson was having. And it's just a shame that, you know, his injury basically ended his career. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, Hunter, what's, what's your thoughts here, man? What's, uh, what do you think the ceiling was for that team if Dre is there? Yeah, the ceiling's pretty high, like Monty said. No, I mean, it's really hard. It's definitely hard to see anybody really toppling those Warriors. I mean, they were basically – they were the super team at the time. They were the super team, unbeatable, I think. So, I mean, definitely think we could push it a little bit, but – to no avail. I mean, we definitely get past the first round, I think. I think what a lot of people underrate is how uh, Andre was really coming into his own on the offensive side as well. I mean, 
given given his props, he was amazing, tremendous on defense, but he was really coming to his own on offense as well. He was really cutting to the basket really well, and uh, mm-hmm. he really helping Stevo on the uh, offensive boards as well. And that was pretty important, I think. Uh, Utah's game plan mostly. I think that was before they changed the shot clock rule. I mean, you get the offensive rebound back, and Utah was killing another twenty four seconds off the clock basically. So I mean, that was pretty important to address, and ha- not having robes there to help uh, Steve on the offensive boards. I think that was, that was pretty uh, detrimental as well. And uh, especially not having him sort of help ignite the offense a little bit as well, because like I said, he was a tremendous cutter uh, at the same time, hard for me to see him like really putting any damage against a uh, go bear in the uh, backcourt there. I mean, front court. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time you, you see it in football. I mean, uh, quarterbacks when they're really not in their game they're not really hitting their seat receivers down deep they have that reliable slot receiver that can like get you maybe a first down like uh watching rattler the other week uh throwing the stoops uh he got him a first down most of the time i mean this in this instance for us if he can't get his offense going pg can't get his offense going you uh, got robes cut into the uh basket you feed him and he's setting an offensive tone that the uh, others can sort of start clicking on as well so i think they definitely had a higher ceiling on that side as well uh this team i think they go past the first and second but it's definitely going to be hard for me to see them taking over the warriors yep i i completely understand that yeah um you know kind of touching on what clemente said you know something i don't even consider we keep talking about how good dre was defensively and how like game changing that is for the team but Clemente, like you said, like as good as he was defensively is how bad he was offensively. And specifically something that really, you know, kind of held Dre back in his career offensively was his shooting from the stripe, um, specifically in late game situations, specifically in the playoffs, you know, the year prior against the Houston Rockets, that that became, you know, kind of detrimental to have having him on the floor. Um, he wasn't even shooting 50%, I think, at that point um, from the stripe. So, you know, as good as he was defensively, may you know that 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 could realistically cost you a game, like in the playoffs. You know, having him on the floor and you know uh, coming to a situation where guys are just playing hack a Dre because that's what Houston was doing. They was literally hacking Andre Robertson, daring him to make a free throw at the stripe, and he he just couldn't do it. So, what what, what do y'all think about the hack a Dre? Do you think that makes too much of a difference or what? Uh, I'm not even just Dre exclusively. I mean, Adams, you know, for as much as we love him, he's he's not he's not known for his free throw shooting. Yeah. Like even Russ, I think this was I think the 2018 season was the first season where Russ is free throw shooting took a dramatic dip. And if three fifths of you of your starting lineup and three fifths of your guys are going to play 30 plus minutes in the playoff game, because, you know, once the playoff starts, rotations tied in. And honestly, we know with Billy, he only played probably six, seven guys, heavy minutes. And if like nearly half of those guys are, you know, inconsistent free throw shooters, then that's just leaving points on the board. And like that can really bite you in a playoff series. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah. Um, Adams wasn't great at making free throws. He was great at, you know, intentionally missing them and getting the ball back and, you know, flipping it back to his teammate, though. That 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 was a skill that Adams did possess. Um, Hunter, what, what's your thoughts on the hack and Dre, man? Yeah, I mean. At the same time, I don't think uh, it might cost them a game, but I don't think it's going to swing the series any different. I think that one year, especially like we're talking about with the Rockets, I mean, uh, you know, Russ, obviously he was on another level that year, but the, mm-hmm. the bench was just not not clicking at all. I mean, we definitely had a stronger, I mean, not saying much, but we had a stronger bench that year. Uh, so I definitely think that we probably would have survived most of those instances. And like Clemente said, we definitely had a couple of uh, 
you know, not so great uh, free throw shooters on our team like Adams. And uh, I mean, even on uh, Utah's side as well. I mean, Gobert, he's not a free throw stud at all either. So, I mean, I think I'm not entirely sure if we ever did that, but I really can't remember. But, I mean, we might have uh, started hacking uh, Gobert, putting him at the line in, tough, in tight game situations. So, I mean, I definitely can go either way at that point. Yep, absolutely, man. And, um, you know, just for perspective, you know, we keep jumping straight to the Warriors after after the Jazz matchup. Um, the Jazz played the Rockets in the second round. Um, you know, at that point, you know, Lou Dort's the best Harden guarder right now. Um, but Andre Robertson was one of the best defenders of James Harden at that point in time. The innovator. Um, yeah, a- absolutely. So it, it would have been – and at that point, like, you know, it, it was James Harden, Chris Paul, and, you know, they, you know, pushed Golden State. Um, in the Western Conference Finals, but I mean, having uh, ha- having Andre Robertson and Paul George there, I think that. Uh, hold on one second, guys. <laughs> My baby's beeping a bunch. Now you good, man? Oh. So uh, yeah, having Dre out there, having Paul George, um, you know, being the great defenders that they are, I feel like that they really could have, you know, held Chris Paul and James Harden in check. Um, you know. Obviously, Capello was a good player at that point. You know, they had – I think they had Rocco. They had P.J. Tucker. They had those complimentary guys. Um, but I think as, you know, a team defensively, I think that, you know, we we had the guys that can hold them down. And we had enough firepower with Russ. We had Paul George. We had Carmelo Anthony. Um, you know, if you make it to that second round, who knows what's going to happen. You know, it, it could be more the same of what happened in the first round. Or it could be that, you know – he starts to find his rhythm. All, all it took is a few games in the playoffs to get his rhythm. So, yeah, it, it, it's fun to think about. But I, I I think I agree with you guys. I think that having Dre back healthy ultimately raises the ceiling of that team more than just bringing Carmelo off the bench. You know, it might kickstart Jamie Grant's development a little bit more having Carmelo off the bench. But I think the ultimate ceiling for this team that, you know, we're talking about the 2017-18 team, I think uh, having Dre, you know, healthy and at the height of his powers defensively, I think ultimately that that pushes us a little bit higher than the other teams. So that is fair. Um, it just just real quick, you know, I, I know we talked about it, but is is that what you guys are thinking, or you know, after we talked it all out, do you have you changed your mind? What are you thinking, Hunter? Nah, I'm still on that page. Yeah, understand, Clemente. Yeah, still on that page. I just wanted to say, I feel like Melo's loan season here there's like a, a little bit of revision revisionist history behind it because mm-hmm. i feel like just because the ending was as bad as it was you know with Melo refusing to you know come off the bench and like you know him and billy going at it near the end of the, one of those playoff games i think it was the one where he came back down from like 20 plus points if i remember correctly but I, yeah. I don't know man Melo overall i think he had a pretty good season i mean he struggled uh initially to you know adjusting to going from like you know the number one scoring option to like the number three but like I don't know, like like during December, January, you know, when the the full starting five that uh, were healthy and all that, I feel like Melo was starting to find his groove. I mean, I mean, he shot over thirty five percent on over on over six attempts from free. I think he even I think he made a career amount of frees that season as well. So I don't Melo. If Robertson stayed healthy, I don't think we would be you know asking for Melo to come off the bench. Is what I'm basically trying to say here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I understand. I I agree with you there, man. Yeah, I, you know, I I, I wasn't trying to be super critical, of Mello. I mean, you know, there was a there was definitely some good moments of him being here. 
I think at some point, like midway through the season, maybe all-star break, I think that Carmelo, Paul George, and Russ were all averaging like right around 20 points a game. And it was just like, you know, you, you don't see that very often. It's kind of wild to see. But, um, you know, always will uh, appreciate him for the moment that, uh, you know, him and Draymond got into it at Golden State. That, that was a good time. Um, and, yeah, man, I mean uh, – oh, yeah, and, and the time that uh, somebody – God, who was it? Somebody poured water on it. Oh, uh, <laughs> and he started cussing. Was it Russ? Yeah, I think it was Russ. It was Russ. <laughs> oh man, yeah. that's a perfect moment. I you know, remember watching that. I was like, "Oh my god, I don't know if that's allowed." <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny about the Pistons game is that I think that was the game where Melo broke his single season record for most frees in the games, and that was kind of you know that was largely overshadowed by the fact that Robertson got hurt. So that's probably like. The most depressing blowout win I've ever experienced. <laughs> Man, it's, I I think I wrote an article about it, um, about like all the lows and all the highs that we've had. And when I was talking about that, I was just like, there's just no point in having him out there. I think I looked at the box score. I think we was up by like 23 points at that point. It's like, why? Why are you out there? It's the fourth quarter. We're up 23 points. Like, why is any of the starters out there? Sit your butt down. Billy turned into Tom Thibodeau for a minute. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't uh wasn't Roberson like didn't he miss games before because he was dealing with like soreness in the area where he got injured, if I remember correctly? He had missed a few games off and on um earlier in the season. He had played like five straight and yeah, you know, he, he had been playing really good. And then yeah, it's just I don't know, man. It, it, I, I remember watching it happen because I was like, I was really excited because that's like him and Russ is like patented play. Like Dre cut back door, Russ lob it up for him and he slam it. And as soon as he took off and it looked like he got shot in the air, I was like, oh, that is not good. Oh, man. Still makes my heart sink. Oh, I, thinking about it. Yeah. He got some mild redemption in the bubble, you know, hitting, hitting the game winning threes, uh, oh. hitting back to back three pointers against the Sixers. And, uh, uh, amidst the Sixers bench talking crap to him the entire time. So he got the last laugh there. Just happy to see him. One last hurrah for Robes before he went out. It was awesome to see. Yep, for sure. Well, guys, um, you know, I, I've held you on. Uh, I've held on to you guys this long. You know, it's it's almost an hour. Um, I'll leave it up to you. Do you guys want to You guys want to do a shay or nay? It, you know, if you say no, I'm not going to hold any hard feelings. I'll cut it from the podcast. It never happened. We'll sign off. Or we could do Shay and A, and you know it won't take very long at all. Shay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'll go with it. All right, rock and roll, man. We're gonna get into our Shay and A of the week. All right, sharing of the week. So for those of you guys that don't know, uh, this is where we talk about something positive and negative that's happened to us this week, uh, thus the Shay and the Nay. Um, if you don't know which one's positive, then I can't help you. Um, we're going to start with uh, Clemente. So Clemente, what's your Shay and Nay for the week? Oh, man. 
Well, uh, I mean, not this week specifically, but my birthday is next week. So I'm oh, just planning go. stuff out for, for that. So I'm excited, man. Awesome, man. Yeah. Ha- hey, happy real birthday. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. Uh, let's go to Hunter, man. What's your uh, Shane day for the week? Oh, man. Well, I got a lot of nay with this uh, homework here, working on databases. So that's that's a big nay. Uh, Shay, Jeez. preseason starting. So, I mean, yeah. well, that's all our Shays here because I'm, I'm super excited to have Thunder basketball back. And uh, I mean, hey, I mean, depending on the outcome of OU and Kansas State tomorrow, I mean, it might be completely different. Nay. So we'll see. Right, there we go. But, you know, we'll we'll hold out hope for you, man. All right. Um, <laughs> and Kentucky's got a big game tomorrow, too. You know, we're playing Florida um, at UK. Oh, man. So yeah. it's, it's going to be it's going to be a good game. It's going to be it's going to be a stepping stone to see if we're, you know, legit or pretender. So interesting <laughs> to see. Um, Shay and A for me. So uh, something uh, the Shay for the week is uh, ironically um, securing the bag on Shay's uh, Chase the Drip shoes. Um, I got the tearaway all white Converse's. Um, I was very excited about those. Um, my nay for the week is just uh, insurance companies and doctors' offices. Um, so I got a. I, I was supposed to have a procedure done on Thursday, and the procedure was supposed to be at like three o'clock. They called me at nine to uh, inform me my insurance wasn't going to cover it until I met my deductible, which was $3,000. And I'm like, hmm, seems like something that would have been nice to know not six hours before the procedure. (laughs) So needless to say, I did not go through with that procedure and um, I will not be returning to that doctor's office. I I definitely wouldn't either after that. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was not fun, but, you know. Uh, what was fun was having you guys on the podcast. Absolutely appreciate you guys coming on. You know, any, I know we didn't get to talk too much Marvel. Um, you know, there's not a lot going on right now. We got to do the what if, but, you know, we'll have to bring you guys back on, you know, during the season when some more Marvel comes on and, you know, we can nerd out a little bit. We'll bring Conan and Alex in here. Uh, they both want to be a part of it too, but, you know, they had some things going on, but, you know, we'll, we'll get all our Marvel, Marvel heads together and nerd out a little bit, but, um, guys, you know, like I said, appreciate you coming on. So I'm just going to give you guys the opportunity to plug your stuff. Yeah, any articles you're working on, podcasts, Twitter handle, what have you. But Hunter, we'll start with you, man. Yeah, I mean, hey, definitely follow us at our account on Twitter at Btown Btown. You can also find us on Reddit, Spricktown Breakdown. Uh, give me a follow at Hunter Harjo Seven, and uh, Tony's not here, so I'll just say go ahead and give Tony a follow at Tony Bustos Ninety Nine. So I'll go ahead, Clemente, go ahead. Oh, man. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, C. Almanza. That's A L N for Michael, A N for Nancy, Zebra Zebra A. One. <laughs> what are you, a nom, Clemente? Okay, go ahead. Keep going. 1007 on Twitter. Uh, I have the blue check mark right next to my name. So, you know, uh, oh, it's yeah. Me. <laughs> we got to plug in the verify whenever we can, I guess. But it's spoiled rotten, I tell you. <laughs> you can find my work at Welcome to Loud City. Uh, I occasionally write for other sites as well. Uh, and yeah, check out Breakdown Breakdown as well. And lastly, make sure you uh, help me help me get 1,000 followers. I'm only about 160-ish <laughs> away, so help me out with that, guys. Man, no, you you've got to get 1,000 followers. Like we we've got to make that happen. Like over the weekend, like that's that's my mission, man. You know, I'll 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 tweet out and you know try to get you to a thousand. Then I'll have a million other people be like, hey, get me to this number, and I'll be doing that my entire weekend. So. Just, oh, just man. be prepared for it. It's coming. You're getting a thousand this week. I'll Declare that. Clemente. 
I'll consider it as your uh, birthday gift, man. I would, <laughs> I would appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. That that's the that's the cheapest birthday gift I can give. But I got you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, guys, definitely appreciate you coming on. Guys, definitely follow them. Listen to the podcast. They're great, great guys. Great podcast. And um, you know, we're gonna go ahead and sign off. I appreciate you guys for listening, sticking with us. Um, the preseason's right around the corner, and the regular season's right around the other corner. So. Um, you know, stick with us for some great stuff. We've got a very special returning guest coming on tomorrow. <clears throat> I'm not going to spoil that. That will be on your podcast feeds, uh, but definitely tune into that. Um, you know, like I said, guys, uh, appreciate you coming on. Um, hope you guys have a great night. God bless. Wash your hands, wear a mask where you need to. Get vaccinated if you have not. And as always, thunder up. Thunder up. I'm, I'm getting it right this time. There you go. Up, man. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we like it. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.